I have always, for whatever reason, I've always been focused on possibility over pragmatism. And I think that really was rooted in this idea that you can make things. Things aren't just going to show up for you. You have to go out and make your own fun. Welcome back to another episode of the Making Magic Podcast. I'm Sean Jay, your host, and I'm a professional magician, speaker, and 3D designer. And this is all about inspiring conversations with the movers, the shakers, the visionaries, and the makers, the wizards behind the curtain that make the magic for you. Now, if this is your first time tuning into the show, thank you so much for doing so. It really does mean a lot to me because I put a lot of hard work into each and every one of these episodes. Whether you're listening to the sound of my voice on any one of the popular podcast apps or on YouTube, hopefully you'll decide if you're a podcast type of person that you'll uh, follow the show. Follow me along for the ride and uh, leave a healthy review of the show. And if you're here on YouTube, feel free to give this show a thumbs up, comment below, turn on the notification bell, and subscribe. You guys know what to do because I'm all about getting your creative gears turning, and that's what this show is all about. Whether you feel like you're stuck with a certain thought pattern and you want to break out of your current thought pattern, if you feel boxed in and trying to be inspired to think in new ways, well, I've got some of the world's most creative people that are sharing their process with you on this show. So I hope you decide to join me on the journey and I'll be releasing episodes like every week now. So I hope you guys are enjoying this stuff. So with all that being said, let's learn a little bit more about our next guest. Welcome back to another episode of the Making Magic Podcast. I'm Sean Jay, and today we have special guest Todd Henry. Now, Todd is an author, international speaker, consultant, and advisor, and he's also the author of four different books, which have been translated into a dozen different languages. One of them is uh, The Accidental Creative, and we're going to focus on that and perhaps probably end up talking about some of the other books and things that Todd does. So, Todd, I'll let you... Uh, Elaborate on anything else I missed there for the intro? Yeah, no, that's great. That's a, that's a great description. Uh, also the host of the Axon Creative Podcast. We've been podcasting since 2005, uh, you know, more than, I don't know, 20 million downloads or something at this point. So we've been doing it for a while. And um, yeah, and, and like you said, author of six books, um, I get to travel all over the world and, and speak and share insights about how people can be prolific, brilliant, and healthy all at the same time. Okay. Okay. Well, you're in the right place. You're in the right space because this <laughs> show that we're doing here is all about getting your creative gears turning, just like the ones behind my head. And uh, I think you know a thing or two about that. So Todd, I always like to open the show by uh, asking my guests to share a story about the very first thing that they ever created. So if you have something that's notable, that has an interesting story behind it that you created, feel free to jump into that. Yeah. Um, so I grew up in a very rural area uh, of Ohio and my family, when I was pretty young, they bought a video camera. Now when I say video camera, I mean, literally like you had the, 
suitcase that you had to carry around and you put the camera on your shoulder and it was sort of like a big deal, right? Like a very expensive piece of machinery. But um, my friends and I decided to go out into the woods and make an Indiana Jones film, like a fan film of Indiana Jones. It was profoundly terrible, but that was kind of my first experience of actually going out, writing something, making something and realizing like, wow, you can actually just go out and make things that are your own and sort of put them into the world. And yes, we showed it to all of our friends and they hated it. It was awful, but we all had a good time, right? It was really fun. And I think that was kind of my first experience of that kind of thing, you know, and that was one of the gifts I think of growing up in a rural environment was we kind of had to make our own fun. Um, we built helicopters out of lawnmower engines. We tried to uh, make a ruby rod laser, and one of my friends almost blew up his garage trying to trying to build a ruby rod laser. Like we did all kinds of crazy things, but um, it was a lot of fun. So that's that's kind of my first memory is just making things with my friends and almost burning the house down a couple of times. Oh my goodness! Okay, and very dangerous. Um, was there any <laughs> lasting memories of anything that you learned from that first experience that influenced you today? Or is it just all forgotten yeah. part of the past? Yeah, I, no. I, so I think I think the biggest thing is, um, you know, I have always, for whatever reason, I've always been focused on possibility over pragmatism, and I think that really was rooted in this idea that you can make things. Things aren't just going to show up for you. You have to go out and make your own fun. You have to go out and make your, you know figure things out, pursue your curiosity. You know, again, we built like model airplanes that would fly them back and forth from each other's house. And, you know, we just did crazy stuff that was really fun. Um, and so I think that was the biggest part of it was just, you can apply your creativity in a practical way and make things to entertain yourself. That was kind of maybe the first thing that I learned. And to this day, that's really what I do every day. I make things for my clients. I write books. I you know get to make media podcasts, you know, all kinds of things to teach people, uh, some of these same principles that I was maybe playing around with when I was eight or nine years old. Mm, okay. Well, that that's good that at least, like a lot of people that I've interviewed, they, they just say that this thing is a figment of their imagination in the past and it was just unrelated, but it's nice that you're able to make some kind of connection that uh, influenced what you're doing now. Um, if you were to, If we were to jump in a magic time machine, Todd, and go back uh, in the past to your younger version of yourself, is there anything that you would share with that younger version that would prevent you from making the mistakes that you did earlier on? Um, I think all I would tell my younger self is it's okay. It's going to work out. It's going to be fine. Um, you know, I spent a big, a big portion of my early twenties as a, uh, singer, songwriter, traveling musician. And now we're going back 25 plus years, right? Oh. Um, I'm like almost in my 50s. So, uh very very well, we'll be turning 50 very soon. Um and you know, I I spent a lot of that time profoundly worried about whether I was doing the wrong thing, am I pursuing the wrong path? Uh you know, not making much money as you're sort of want to do when you're trying to to make a career as an artist, especially a young artist and you're trying to find your way. Um I think I would just want to reassure myself, it's okay. Don't worry about it. It's fine. All of this is going to be useful. That's one of the beautiful things about creativity is it's very inefficient, but it doesn't waste anything. Um, and so many of those early years um, of traveling and being on stage and, you know, we, I was always the opening act for like much, much bigger acts. So even when I was playing in front of you know, four or 5,000 people, 
nobody was there to hear me. So I had to figure out ways of entertaining people and making them pay attention. And hey, here's a song I wrote. You should listen to it and try to figure out a way to get people to do that. All of those lessons came in handy later when I was leading teams of creative people or I had to pitch ideas or um, you know, now when I'm going on stage in front of 5,000 people trying to share a concept with them at an event or a conference, you know, all of those lessons came in handy later. So I think I would probably, I wouldn't change anything. I would just go back and tell myself, it's fine. It's fine. It's going to work out okay. You don't have to like go to sleep with a knot in your stomach worried about whether you're throwing your life away. It's going to be fine. Um, that's probably what I would tell myself. And that's what I would tell anybody, by the way, who is, who is young and feels like the stakes are so high. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we often think when we're in our twenties that we're running out of time, which is kind of the most insane thing in the world. Yeah. Um, you know, but, but I often encounter people who feel very early in their career, like they're wasting time, they're falling behind and I'm like falling behind who falling behind what, you know, you're, you set the standard for what that means. You know, nobody else gets to determine that. So I think that's what I would say to myself. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I never really thought about it like that, that the people in their twenties, they're, they're racing against the the clock, even though they are in their twenties, I, I don't, I don't know what that sense of urgency, where that sense of urgency comes from. I mean, I, I always had a sense of urgency because I'm just, I like to work and I enjoy my work. And so I like to get results. So sure. maybe that's, yeah. Well, and, and I think to some degree you're, you're trying to find your place in the world and you're afraid you're not going to. And so I think the urgency is, I, I feel like I need to figure out where I belong before it's too late. Um, and the reality is that it, that develops over time slowly like film in the dark room, not like a digital photo. We're used to instant answers today, but you discover that sweet spot of effectiveness over time and it develops very slowly in layers and success comes in layers. It doesn't happen all at once. Um, I started podcasting in 2005 Wow. I worked multiple hours a day, every day for about five or six years before I saw any, really any kind of major traction and was offered a book deal by Penguin Random House in 2009, 2010. But it was years of a lot of work, not a lot of, you know, knowing things were going to work out, but just doing it because I felt like it was the right thing. Um, and, you know, I mean, as you mentioned, six books later now, 14 years after that first book contract, that first offer, um, every single day, it's the same thing. I wake up, I make something every day. I do, I write, I teach, I spend time with clients. I do whatever I do every single day. It's that slow measured daily progress that matters. And I would say the same thing to people in their twenties, every single day, get up, show up, do the thing that you do over time that grows into a body of work, but you know, don't feel the urgency and feel the urgency. That's fine. But don't feel the sense that you're falling behind. Okay. That's, that's all, that's all really, really well said. Makes sense. And yeah, just the little, the little progress over time adds up that it's interesting to hear. You said six years chipping away at that, right? Six yeah, years. Yeah, for sure. To yeah. see anything. Yeah. And it was, and it was, and it was without, you know, it was out like the promise of anything, any major breakthroughs, you know, I wasn't really making much money doing it. It was kind of a side project, a side yeah. hustle. Um, I was leading teams of creative people. So I, wanted to create something that helped people like me who were struggling with how to keep, you know, my team of a handful, of dozen people aligned, engaged, focused. I mean, I was struggling with that just like everybody else. And I was discovering some things that worked, but there wasn't really a great conversation about that in the marketplace. And that was why I started the podcast to begin with. So really it was kind of an act of love, you know, and 
it's funny because that's why I think a lot of people, when they read The Accidental Creative or they read Die Empty or they read you know, Louder Than Words or any of Hurting Tigers, especially the, the leadership book that I wrote, um, they feel like I'm talking directly to them. And, and it's because I am, because I have been in their shoes. I know what it feels like. And I'm writing as if they're sitting across the table. Um, and that's another thing that I've learned about making things is you have to focus on one person. You have to make them for one person, not for a group of people, but you have to think, okay, who is the one person I'm writing this for? I'm, I'm working on the book right now and I'm doing that. Right. Um, mm -hmm. even, you know, this morning I wrote, you know, wrote that project. And so you have to focus on the one person that you want to impact if you want it to be effective. And so, um, yeah, I think that that's, um, yeah, that daily chipping away, um, you have to keep that person in mind as you're doing that, even when you're not seeing maybe some of the results that you want to see. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Now, if since you've worked on many projects over the years and just always working on different things, was there something that you were working on that was a big epic fail and just kind of blew up in your face? And, uh, you know, pick a fun, funny, funny story if you have one. Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, well, there've been a number, you know, yeah. I early when I first stepped out and launched my business, um, you know, I, mean, I left a pretty secure, you know, role and a pretty steady page. Well, definitely steady paycheck, had a great group of people I was working with. And, you know, I stepped out from that with not a lot of guarantee that things were going to work out. And so I was kind of just taking on projects wherever I could. So I took on a rebranding project for an organization, um, and I mean, it's funny because, you know, they had loved me. They loved my materials. They loved what I was making. Mm -hmm. um, and they just asked me to come and do the same thing for them. And I very quickly realized I am not an agency, you know, and I'm not sort of equipped to do that. So that was, that's one example of something that where I sort of bit off more than I could chew in that moment. But I will say, um, I'm, I'm glad I did it because I learned a lot about what I am and am not really equipped to do. So I, I learned a lot from it, even though it was kind of maybe a, an epic failure in the, in the moment. Mm -hmm. um, but the second thing I'll say is, so I wrote a book called um, Louder Than Words that came out in 2016. My first two books had done really well. Um, I thought I'd figured out the formula. You just, you write a book and you put it out and people buy it. It's amazing. It's so easy. Yeah, yeah. And this third book did not perform as well as the first two books it performed. And I was starting to get really nervous because I didn't know why it wasn't doing as well as the other books. And, um, I reached out to kind of a mentor from afar, um, someone who is a you know, multiple bestselling author and, um, had been really inspirational to me over the years. And he said, listen, the marketplace is almost always stupid at first, right? When something comes out, the marketplace is almost always stupid. It doesn't know what it wants. And it takes time sometimes for things to find their footing. And it made so much sense to me. And he said, listen, are you proud of what you wrote? I said, I am. I think it's maybe the best book I've written. He said, great. Let it find its footing. Let it do its thing. Um, and the reality is the book never sold as well as my other books, but it is the book that I get emails from people around the world about more than any other book that I've written. And the, the funny thing is, it's like, I, I realized, I thought I was writing a book for the masses, but I was writing a book for people who are at the peak of their game and maybe they're starting to feel a little stale. They're starting to feel like they need to go to another place mm -hmm. because the people I get emails from are you know, world famous, you know, uh, 
artists, world famous business leaders, people who are really well known, and they'll email me and say, hey, this book really hit me in a profound way. So what I realized is the market for that book, I thought it was the mass, I thought it was everyone. And it turns out the market for that book might be a very select group of people worldwide. And I just had to wait for it to find its way into those people's hands. But the mm. influence that that book has had has been pretty profound. So again, we often don't know, like we think we know who we're making something for, but we often don't know who it's actually going to influence until we allow it to have legs and we allow it to, to find its way in the marketplace. Let it marinate for a little bit. And it seems like too, even though sales weren't quite up to par as, as what you wanted, it, Right. It's, it impacted the right people, and that probably right. in time, uh, by impacting the right people, will lead to other opportunities that you probably would never have had if it's just anybody and everybody's and their cousin Sally's picking it up. You know, it's like really laser focused and hitting home. So, yeah, that's I, right. yeah, I think there's there's value in that, and I think if it hasn't already, I mean, you mentioned you've got a lot of great feedback. I'm sure. Uh, the opportunities, the specific opportunities that come out of it will turn and will will make up for the lack of commercialized sales. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, we have to decide as creators, what are we in this for? At the end of the day, everybody has to make a living. But at the end of the day, what is the most important thing for you? Um, and for me, it's always been impact. It's always been I want to have I want to build a body of work I can point to with pride, and that doesn't equate to tons and tons of sales necessarily. It doesn't equate to mass awareness or mass fame. It equates to impact. And so if I can impact the right people, that's, that's all I want. I, you know, when somebody who is a practitioner reaches out to me and says, hey, meaning somebody who is, who is out there actually doing things in the world, you know, they're, they're running businesses, they're you know, producing music, they're doing things that you know, are influencing other people, when somebody reaches out to me and says, hey, I really have found your books helpful to me, that means the world. And that's why I do what I do. And again, we all have to understand what is that fuel that drives your work. Again, we all have to make a living. Right. But at the end of the day, are you going for impact or are you just going for eyeballs? Um, at the you know, Eyeballs don't really mean a whole lot in the grand scheme of things, but impact will echo for generations to come. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It does. Like any, any, any book that's written or any publication that's considered timeless, it's timeless for a reason. It's timeless for the impact. Right. And, and yeah, that's, that's pretty, that's very powerful. So Todd, what, what would be your favorite thing that you have created recently? So I gave a talk and it's actually tied to the book that I'm writing right now. I gave a talk recently at uh, an event called story conference and um, it was about the nature of, of bravery. And that's really a topic I've been diving into for a long time. Um, but I never really had sort of distilled it into something actionable and something where I could kind of communicate some of the core principles I've been learning. I've been signing books for years, be brave, be brave, be, like, be brave, you know, with my name. Um, because it's been so central to what I've, I've talked about for years. And so, mm -hmm. um, I think probably that talk and my, um, corresponding book that I'm working on now are probably the things I'm most proud of right now. So, um, yeah, so I, I think that book, hopefully it will be out uh, in the coming year. We're, we're aiming for that, but we'll see, but yeah, I'm, I'm very excited about that one. Okay. What about something that you've created by accident? Was there anything that you accidentally stumbled upon because I know when I'm tinkering with something, sometimes I'll just 
hit on something that was totally unplanned, and then it turns out to be this really awesome thing, and then you keep it, whether it be in your show, your speech, your whatever you're designing. Yeah, so I, um, I mean, this is not related to my work, but I, as I mentioned, I was a, a, a singer-songwriter for a handful of years um, right out of college, and um, I, a couple of years ago, decided I was going to hang my guitar on my office wall. Okay. Because I realized I was not playing guitar nearly as much as I, as I wanted to. Um, so I decided I'm just going to make it more convenient. I'm going to hang my guitar on my office wall. And now when I'm in between something or I have a couple minutes to spare, I'll pick, I'll pick up my guitar and I'll start noodling around. And I would say some of the funnest creative accidents that I've had over the last couple of years have been noodling around on my guitar. And um, you've, I've written now probably a couple dozen songs in the last year just based on noodling around with my guitar and something comes out, a little turn of phrase, a melody, um, you know, a couple of things sort of just congeal into something that feels meaningful and impactful. And so um, I think that's probably the accidental thing or the accidental things I've made that have uh, been most enjoyable to me. And so I would say, um, you know, for people, the principle that was teach people related to that is if you want something to happen more often, make it more convenient. So for me, that was putting my guitar on the wall because if my guitar is sitting in the case in the basement, I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to be writing songs. I'm just not. Mm -hmm. But if I make it convenient, so whatever your craft is, whatever your thing is, um, try to make it as convenient as possible for yourself. Uh, and, and you're more likely to experience those moments of serendipity, those creative accidents. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Cause so with being a, a magician, I keep a deck of cards in different pockets of pants. I keep one in my car, one in my trunk, mm -hmm. one in my glove compartment. So like, I have no excuse, no excuse. And then those moments can happen, whether it be just paused in gridlock or whatever, you always have a chance, mm -hmm. just like with the guitar to, to mess around and, Maybe maybe come up or invent something new. I love that, and, and you know, magician. I mean, it's a great example, right, of of the magician because so much of what seems spontaneous to the observer is extremely calculated on the part of the magician, right? Like, yes. uh, you know, uh, oh, I've only been walking around with all of this stuff on me for you know, like five hours, waiting for the opportunity to like. <laughs> yeah, but it looks like oh, I'm just pulling a coin out of my pocket, but it's like no, not really, you know. Yep. Um, and so that's a great example, right? Like we have, and it's a great life lesson as well. We have to be poised for opportunity. We have to do all the prep work, be ready to go, and then in that moment, we have to be ready. We have to be poised, ready to pounce when opportunity arises. And so many people just kind of take life as it comes and then an opportunity comes and unfortunately they're not prepared to take advantage of it because they haven't been doing all the legwork necessary to get ready. So yes. whatever that thing is that you're aspiring toward, you should be doing your prep work right now. You should be getting ready right, right now because your moment is coming. Are you going to be ready to seize it when it happens? Totally true. Eminem said it all the way, you know, and uh, in his, in his song with the eight mile thing, like, uh, same thing with the gym, same thing with the gym, right? Mm. I, that's probably the most widely accepted analogy I could think of. Like everybody envies the guy or the girl with the amazing body, uh, over the summer that's seen on the beach. And what they're not seeing is what they did all winter long when it was cold and nasty and they were still jogging and lifting weights and eating right. right. And even when it, cause yeah, you can't just turn on summer and then go from, flabby to to fantastic 
It, yeah, that's it, right. It doesn't work like that. No reps. That's exactly right. Yep. No results. So Todd, uh, what inspired you to be a creator of experiences, a creator of, of, of what you do, authoring these books? Yeah. So I, again, I was leading a team of, you know, several people, um, a couple, well, several dozen people. And we were really just struggling with how to stay fresh. Um, you know, it was a lot of pressure to create something new constantly. And so we, um, you know, I started asking creative directors where I live, you know, uh, reached out to a lot of creative directors from other agencies here in my city and, they had no answers for me. They said, I don't know. We just burn through people and hire new people, right? Like they didn't really have any answers for me. And so that set me off kind of on the course of how do I figure this out and how do I create a conversation around this in the marketplace? And this brand new thing called podcasting had just started happening. Um, this is 2005. So back then we, you know, people, it's funny because I hear people say sometimes like, oh, I'm one of the original podcasters. I started in 2015. I'm like, <laughs> uh, well, actually, um, you know, there were, there were several of us who were doing it back in 2005, but it was a much more complicated thing to podcast back then. I mean, you had to like hand code your own XML file and upload it to a server. And it was just, it was like not a really easy thing to do, but incredibly gratifying because I, I immediately found an audience of thousands of people who were, um, who wanted to listen to what I had to say. And we started interacting with each other and I started discovering some new things, new insights. Um, we started interviewing people in 2007 for the show, uh, which was kind of fun. So I just reached out to all my heroes and I said, Hey, you know, um, like I had read uh, the war of art by Steve Pressfield and reached out to him in 2007 and said, Hey, I would love to have you, you know, on the show to, to talk about this. And his response was, well, what's a podcast, right? Cause it was <laughs> yeah. like, it was so early. Um, and I said, well, it's kind of like a radio show, but we record it. It's totally fine. Um, you know, so I just started reaching out to people that I admired, um, Seth Godin and, you know, these other people, and we started doing interviews and it just kept growing and growing. And so I would say for me, the thing that inspired me was my own need. And that's always a great place to look when you're looking for inspiration for things to make or things to do. Think about, okay, what would I, what would I want? What's the thing that I would use? Mm -hmm. And think about how you can build a product around that or build a service around that. Because you know, I think so many people go out with this idea of here's what people should want. Unfortunately, that's not a great way to build a business, right? You have right. to figure out what people actually want, what they'll actually use. And it, it's taken me a while to figure that out. But um, yeah, I think that's what, we have to, that's what we have to start with. So that's what inspired me was I made the thing that I needed and it turned out that other people needed it as well. Who inspired you to be a maker of information, a maker of these speeches um, you, you had mentioned one or two n names of people that inspired you. Was there any other yeah. specific people? Well, I'll I'll go back to Seth Godin because it was it was really when I read Purple Cow, his book Purple Cow, and I ah. think two thousand three, two thousand four, that I was inspired to start uh, making podcasts. And um, so I read the book, and I started thinking and thinking and thinking, how do I, you know, how do I turn this? How do I do something with this? How do I go out and create something around this? And it's funny. I was, I had a conversation recently with, uh, Jeremy Utley, who is, um, who works at the D school at Stanford and he has a book out right now called idea flow. 
And we both were saying how, uh, you know, he blogs every day, and we were both saying how Seth Godin had kind of influenced both of us to start making and writing and doing those things. And if you did a, like a family tree of bloggers and podcasters, you mm -hmm. know, and you got all the way back to the root, I think Seth would be like probably really close to the trunk of that family tree. Okay. So many people have been influenced by him. But um, yeah, I would say that was probably the thing that really prompted me to get going was when I read Purple Cow by Seth. Purple Cow. So... That kind of leads into uh, one of my last questions, which is uh, what resources would you recommend for for people who want to expand their mind a little more and get thinking in this kind of creative headspace? Yeah, so, um, I mean, a couple of things. I would say that that book is a great place to start, right? Um, it's old now, well, old relatively. I think it's almost 20 years old now, so... Um, that book, I mentioned The War of Art by Steve Pressfield, which is a great book for anyone who um, has to make things every single day. Um, those are two phenomenal books about the profession of creating. You know, So there's a difference between you know, making things for your own sake and mm -hmm. actually having to go out and do it under pressure. And I focus on the latter. I focus on what does it take to go out, to show up, to come up with ideas and to put them into the world consistently under pressure. And I'm usually working with you know, as you can imagine, agencies and marketing, you know, firms with, you know, hundreds or thousands of employees. And, you know, so we're talking about this, on, at, you know, at scale, how do we build practices to show up every day? Um, but for the individual creator who has that same impetus, the same pressure, I would encourage him to check out those two books, Purple Cow and, um, and The War of Art by Steve Pressfield. And Steve, Stephen Pressfield also wrote um, Do the Work, which is also a phenomenal book uh, in this similar vein, right? The difference between an amateur and a pro is an amateur only does things when they feel like it. A professional shows up and does them every single day, whether they feel like it or not. Mm. Yep. Most of it, right? Half of it is just showing up and then the other rest of it showing up on time and consistently. And then the other stuff yeah. is is up to the the talent and the passion of the artist or service provider. Uh, what would you consider your, your, these, some creative skills, some creative skills that you're looking forward to adding to your tool set? Like let's say in the upcoming year. So at the time this is yeah. being streamed and recorded, we're reaching the end of 2022. So what would you say about that? Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's funny you ask that because this is a time of year where I start thinking about that. You know, what skills do I want to develop in the coming year? Yeah. Um, I have been really good at teaching through audio, teaching through writing. Okay. Um, I am profoundly terrible at two things. Uh, number one, social media. I'm awful at social media. I'm just not, I mean, I, I have these accounts with, you know, thousands and thousands of followers. And I just like never really use them very well because I don't like, it's just not something that's top of mind for me. For me, right. I wake up and I do the work every day. Right. Like that's kind of my thing is I show up and I do the work every day. Um, so I want to get better at that, better at creating conversations uh, through that media. And then the other thing I want to get better at is video because, um, your video is so important today. And I have mm -hmm. video of me, you know, speaking on stages and things like that, but I don't have a lot of great video that is just kind of me directly speaking to people. So that's something I want to get better at this year as well as, is using video a little more strategically. Okay. Okay. And then just the follow-up question to that, and then we'll wrap things up here. I was just curious when you said, uh, since you're not doing as much of the social media work per se, what, 
are you current like what's like your current process for for the daily that is part of your your work is it yeah curious yeah so i show yeah i show uh this morning i i got up my first hour of my day is study and uh reflection and writing so i spend an hour doing that every morning i've been doing that since 2002 the single best practice in my life the very next thing i do is i sit down at this desk i'm sitting at right now i have some automated routines so i'll say to my personal assistant here my my digital personal assistant um uh, that I'm working and it automatically sets my lighting and it starts a certain soundtrack playing, you know, and I go into deep work mode and I write and I write when I'm writing a book, which I am right now, hmm. when I'm writing a book, I aspire to write 500 words a day, uh, of that book project and no more. So if I get the 500 words now, I've allowed myself to go over the last couple of days. I'm not very happy about that, but when I get to 500 words, I stop even if I'm in mid-sentence, because I want to end with the beginning in mind. I want to end that day's work knowing exactly where I'm going to pick it up the next day so that I have some momentum going into the next day. Nice. Um, and so that's the very first thing I do every single day is I, I work on whatever creative project I'm working on. I have theme blocks on certain days. So um, today is content creation. That's my day when I work on the podcast. Uh, you know, I'm editing the podcast for next week for release. We're not too far out uh, on editing because we have sponsors that sometimes like to change their sponsorship scripts, you know, mm -hmm. the week before or, um, you know, last minute sponsors that are like, can we get in next week's episode? You know, things like that. So, um, you know, we like to kind of wait until about a week before to schedule those episodes. But um, yeah, so, and then I have other days that are dedicated to strategy. Other days that are dedicated to product development, you know, and those are kind of the themes of my empty blocks where I schedule time to do those kinds of activities. Awesome. Awesome. No, this has been, this has been great. I, I hope, I hope that, uh, my viewers and listeners learned a lot from this, especially just, just, you know, taking a little peek, peeling back one of those layers just to kind of see, you know, how you structure your day. It's kind of, it's interesting. Everybody structures their day and their life a little bit differently, but it seems like you you've got it down to a, a science and a well-oiled machine. And, uh, yeah, man, this has been very inspiring. And I, I want to thank you, Todd, for, taking the time to pop into the making magic podcast. This has been, uh, this has been, this has expanded my mind and got my creative years turning. I hope it's, uh, done that to others. So, um, yeah, Todd, thank you so much for, uh, jumping thank on the you. show. Yeah. Thanks and, for the invitation. Yeah. And you guys have been watching and listening to another episode of the making magic podcast. If you've just been listening to our voices, on any one of the popular podcast apps, feel free to follow the show. Uh, follow the show and follow me along for the journey. Also, uh, check out Todd's podcast, The Accidental Creative. Did I get that right? That's correct. Yes. Yep, that is the official name of his podcast. And uh, if you're watching this video on YouTube, feel free to like, comment, subscribe down below. You know what to do. Show me some love, and this way we can spread the message and get people's creative gears turning. So, Todd, thank you again, and uh, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Thanks so much. Oh, hey, real quick, I forgot to mention that you could find Todd in these three main places. The first is ToddHenry.com. Second is AccidentalCreative.com. And thirdly, on Instagram, at Todd Henry. And there'll be links to this in the description and the show notes. So thanks so much again, and we'll see you all on another episode.